Hello and welcome back to The Sharpest Tool, where we take the sting out of marketing. My name is Josh and I am your host. And today I'm really fired up because our guest in the booth today is Ellen Rohr, the business makeover expert. She has tons of experience working and consulting home service businesses and is a contributor to many business journals and magazines like Wells Fargo, HDTV, and Plumbing and Mechanical Magazine. So, Ellen, welcome to the show. Hey, hey. Hey. I love <laughs> being here, and I'm excited to have a conversation. I'm so excited to have the conversation with you. Let's I get... help people make money. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so, you have a pretty lengthy CV. Like, how do you? Well, that's because t- I'm old. <laughs> You've been around for a while. How do you typically introduce yourself? Yourself with that? Currently, my primary position is the franchise operations manager and one of the owners of Zoom Drain Franchising, the drain and sewer experts. In addition to that, I work to help small business owners make their dreams come true. The two areas of expertise I hope we can dive into is I like to help them keep track of the money, mm-hmm. know where oh, yeah. it is, where it goes, and how to make more of it. And the second thing is business planning. The idea of like, okay, now that we have some money and some options, what do you want out of life? And how are you going to systematically make that happen? Yeah. And I love to collaborate. So I know you've had some of my friends oh, yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. Yay. Yep, to have you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes me excited. Happy about that. Keep it in the family here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have a pretty interesting backstory about what kind of propelled you into all of this. Can you share a little bit how you got started? I'll share a couple of salient points mm-hmm. that belie my prejudices because I have some prejudices. So here they are. One is I've had a lot of jobs. I started working when I was 14 years old. First job was handing out cheese samples at the mall at at (laughs) holiday time. There was food. There was fun. I got paid. I became a worker. And I've always been a worker. I've always had a lot of jobs. And I was always that fence-testing, troublemaking employee. The one that everyone I talked to complains about was me. And I've really never lost that sensibility. So I think at heart, I see things through the eye of that troublemaking fence tester, right? When someone says, oh, my guys always do this, I'm thinking, you have no idea what they're always doing. (laughs) 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 You're not there, you know? (laughs) So I relate to how all of this is going to land on the front lines because the front lines are everything. Yeah. One of my mentors, Harry Friedman, told me, at the end of the day, all I really care about is what is my team member saying to my customer? Yeah. Right? So that interface really drives everything that I do. Everything we do should set up our front line to be successful and our customers to have a great experience. So I've had a lot of jobs. I've been fired a few times. That's one of my prejudices is I am prejudiced towards the team members, the front line. And another salient moment in my life is I'm a plumber's wife. Yeah. So often I will introduce myself like that because that's where I got introduced to home service. My husband's partner died at age 33, worked himself into a health crisis, 100-hour work week, told me, if I don't do it myself, it'll never get done. Those were his last words to me. He didn't feel well. He went to the hospital and he died on a Sunday after working. That has had an impact on Mm -hmm. me because it's not worth it. Yeah to sacrifice your relationships and your health and your life in the pursuit of this business. Yeah. Your business, as Howard Partridge says, exists to drive you in the direction of your dreams, not to sacrifice everything for. Yeah. So that had a big impact. And that's when then I told my husband after we were recovered from his partner and best friend's death, I turned to my husband and I said, I'm going to quit my real job, 
which at the time now I was a restaurant manager. I'd kind of worked through a million jobs to have a real job. I was a restaurant manager, as real a job as that can be. (laughs) And I said, I'm going to quit my real job and I'm going to come work for you. I'm smart. I have a business degree. I have had all this experience. I'll count the money. You turn the wrenches. We'll get rich. And none of that happened. (laughs) That set forth a series of unfortunate events. We went into debt. We were hating each other. It was absolutely frustrating and awful. I met one of my greatest mentors, if not my greatest mentor, a fellow named Frank Blau. Have you heard about Frank in the industry yet? I have not. Oh, he is a thread that runs through many of us in home services. Right. Frank is the one who, well... I read an article he wrote yeah. in Plumbing and Mechanical Magazine mm-hmm. once upon a time. I write for PHC News, just to give a shout out to the <laughs> competitor. I love these magazines. In any trade, there are magazines where smart people tell you good stuff. Yeah. So he wrote an article about how much a contractor should charge. Mm. And I read the article and I wrote him a letter. Dear Mr. Blau, please help me. <laughs> and then I spent two pages telling him why everything in his article was wrong. <laughs> You don't know my guys and my cheap customers and wine, 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 right? Just I reach out and then shut it down before he could even respond. He ends up calling me up, and the first words he says to me are, well, he tells me where my head is. (laughs) He tells me, honey, you have your head, and he tells me where my head is. Yeah, I I got you. Okay, and (laughs) this is the guy then who really turned my life around Mm -hmm. because I was like, well, how do my competitors get away with charging what they're charging? And he says, I don't know. You'll have to look at their financial reports. All I know is what you told me in your letter, which is you're in debt, you're not making any money, and here's how you fix that. Are you interested? Yeah. So he really dragged me through this process, hit me with a brick, was not nice. (laughs) However, that is what set me on the path and the journey that I'm on. I was a slow learner. I was stubborn. I was all the things that I now complain about my clients being. Yeah. Because that's the way I am. So I have a lot of empathy Mm -hmm. for those who are struggling through. However, Frank is the one who committed me to this life's work of making sure people knew where the money was. The idea is to make money in this business. And once he turned that around for us, that got me on a great path. Yeah. What are some of the common problems that home service business owners tend to have when it comes to their finances? It really comes back down to what you should have learned once upon a time and never did. And Mm -hmm. I didn't even in college. I graduated top of my class with a degree in business administration, University of San Diego. I mean, I spent $100,000 of my parents' money, man. (laughs) (laughs) Getting this top drawer education once upon a time. And I still didn't really know how to read a balance sheet and a profit and loss. Mm. And I think there are some myths that take you off track. Sure. Like if you do what you love, the money will follow. Oh, yeah. Right? That's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Do what you love for sure, but figure out the money. What are some of those myths and how do you demystify them? Another one is that profits and principles don't mix. Mm. And for spiritual people, this can be a tough one, this idea that if I were to turn into a rich guy, I will have to be a jerk. Yeah. That rich people are jerks. Yeah. I run into that one a lot. Sure. I don't want to be that. I don't want to rip people off. And that, I think that myth is very devastating. Absolutely. And instead, what affirmation could you replace that with? Yeah. Money reveals your character. Mm Mm-hmm. That if you had more money and more influence and more options, what would you do with it? But that takes some getting between the headphones and dealing with are those words 
landing with me because the math is easy. Yeah. The math is really easy when it comes to adding up sales minus expenses equals a profit. Profit's good. Take yeah. it in cash. Yeah. Profits in cash fix just about everything. Totally. Balance sheet, assets equals liabilities plus equity. What you have versus how you got it. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not that hard. Yeah. It's like learning very basic Spanish, enough Spanish to get you through a meal is the <laughs> amount of content that is required to help you become a good financial manager. Here's another myth I'm dealing with lately that it has to be hard. It isn't hard. None of this is hard. Mm. Jim Rohn defines easy as something you can do. Yeah. So if you can do it, it is now by definition not hard. Mm-hmm. It's easy. Really, business is a matter of small steps, all of which are doable. Making the phone call, asking for the sale, being quiet, Mm -hmm. asking good questions and listening. When it comes to the financial area of your business, adding it up. What do we have? What do we owe? What's the difference? That's the balance sheet, assets, liabilities, and equity. Sales and expenses. What did we bring in? What did we give out? What's left over? It isn't hard. It is a course of study. If you've never studied it, Mm -hmm. You're not going to learn it in an hour, not on this podcast. Hopefully in this podcast, what we can do is encourage you to start the course of study or continue it. Yeah. That's not what's probably tripping you up. It's all the, this is so hard. My accountant screwed me over. I can't find a bookkeeper who knows what she's doing. Yeah. I went through all that because I thought someone else should do it for me. Mm -hmm. If you're the owner, it's your job. Yeah. It's your job to know where the money is, where it goes, and to learn how to make more of it. Well, for the the business owners that you work with, where do you find most of them are at when it comes to a lot of these questions? They're somewhere in this process. And this yeah. is the process I went through and I see a lot of people go through. Maybe yeah. I'm projecting, but this is what I recognize. So at first it's complete denial, falling for the miss. I shouldn't have yeah. to do this. I'm doing what I love. We're doing good work. Shouldn't this just take care of itself? Mm-hmm. And then it comes to shouldn't someone else take care of it for me? Yeah. Can I get an accountant or a bookkeeper who knows what they're doing? And then can you believe that I found myself in this mess? I used to say those things. Now I'm like, yeah, I can believe it. Yeah, there you are. Here we yeah. are. And then there maybe is this brick that hits you. You get audited and now yeah. you owe a lot of money to the IRS. That can be the best thing, like falling in that hole. Maybe you get ripped off. A lot of people get ripped off. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time that they had to look and just go, wow, how did the how did you get ripped off to the tune of two hundred and fifty thousand and not take responsibility for that? Yeah. Where were you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So there's usually like a big thump or a thud mm. that happens, or maybe it's a little more chronic. The debt just keeps adding up. Yeah. Like if you're in debt, chances are very, very good. One of two things. Maybe there's an addiction, a gambling problem, something sure. that's sucking money out of your life. Chances are very, very good that you've just been undercharging for a long time. Mm-hmm. This is what Frank taught me. Yeah. You can stay in business. You'll just go into debt. Yeah. How do you circumvent the undercharging thought? Because I, I know a lot of business owners, when they get into their business and they start looking at the price book, what am I going to charge? Just like yourself, they go and look at what everybody else is charging. And then like, I'm going to go 5% lower. Right? I did. Yeah. That's, it's exactly what I did. So how do you shift that mindset so they see the value of what they're bringing to the table. I literally called my competitors and used like the Victoria's Secret British accent. How much do you charge for? <laughs> and then I'd ask something really specific, like for a Bradford White 40-gallon glass line, you know, so that obviously you're someone in the industry. <laughs> so I did that, and a lot of people did to get started. 
So a lot of people do that when uh-huh. they get started. What's the linchpin moment that changes their belief or their first principle that all of a sudden they think, I can charge that I'm worth this, and that's where my price is going to be set? I'm going to jump to the end here sure. for where I am right now. I love young people. Mm-hmm. I don't use the word millennial because yeah. it seems to me it's often used as a slam. Yeah. Are you with me? I'm with I you. love young people. I love it when someone comes to our industry who's never heard of it before and we can get them before they're soured yeah. on this idea of what our prices should be. Mm-hmm. Because if you give them a price book, And if you show them the math that went into the selling prices, they will say, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So one tip to take away is if you do want to grow your company, even if it's adding one more person to the team, show them the numbers and don't tell them how hard this is. Don't tell them that these prices are ridiculous. Don't sour them. Sure. Let them be and just show them the math. Give them the training. Here's a sales process. Here's a price book. Here's your career. We've got all kinds of ways to help you in this awesome, honorable. We do drain cleaning. Yeah. And I want everyone on my team to know how honorable, how essential, how important, how recession-proof your career is. Yeah. You know, this is what it takes to be successful. Your customer's going to pay for every good thing we do for you and for them. So our prices have to be premium prices. We have to deliver premium service. That's really where you'll end up with the next piece of advice that I give you. Yeah. So if you are struggling with that, I don't really believe these prices. I think all my customers are going to balk if I raise my prices. I don't think my guys are going to be able to handle it. My guys are legitimately scared. You've never asked them to charge. They've done the work and then we bill people three weeks later. You know, if they've never been in this moment where they have to ask Mrs. Fernwicky for the check, (laughs) that starts with me with open book management. Mm -hmm. So I show people the numbers. I tell them the truth and I show them the numbers. Now, if you're listening, that may make your stomach hurt. Daddy probably taught you nobody should see the checkbook. Nobody should look at these. Nobody should know how much anybody else gets paid. These are mores, not just in our industry, but across business. Mm -hmm. When I was first figuring this out, going back to my days with Hot Rod and Yox and our guys and listening to Frank Blau and learning these principles myself, I showed my team the numbers because I didn't know how else to communicate what I was asking them to do. I just like, here, you tell me how we can charge less. As I was learning it, I shared it. A couple of years later, I went to a seminar called The Great Game of Business, and I learned from a fellow named Jack Stack, who is awesome. And he's one of the founding fathers of open book management. I didn't know there was a name for this process. And I'm like, oh, oh, tell me more about that. How do you do it? Yeah, what's your process? I was doing it. I didn't know it was a thing. Mm -hmm. So that taught me a lot. But some people, you can say, you know, depending on their personality. I was talking to Ben about this earlier. Do you do some kind of personality mapping? Uh, Howard used this disc. We use flat pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have ones called social styles. Exactly. There's usually Mm -hmm. four main main ones, yeah. So that also has helped me a lot. Some people who are not particularly detail-oriented, who are much more results-oriented, will say to me, oh, okay, if I raise my prices, that'll work. Let's double them today. And I'm like, high five, let's go. (laughs) For someone else who's a little more analytical or critical, 
going through the level, let's look at your profit and loss. And if your profit and loss ends up in a loss over and over, you're going to mathematically create debt. So what do you do? Well, you put a budget in place. Budget triggers people. That's like dieting, no fun, all that. But a budget is just like, if this doesn't look very good, your profit and loss, let's do a pretend one that looks better. Mm -hmm. And we could aim for that. And so that, the budget then, helps you set goals, which you may or may not hit, but why not play the great game of business? So the budget helps you set goals and a justifiable selling price. Mm -hmm. Let's try this price. Like for instance, if you are a one-man band and you want to make $100,000 this year, you put that line item in the budget. Now, what do we sell in our industry? What's the widget that we sell in home services? This is a quiz for you. (laughs) What do we sell? The widget? Yeah. What do we sell every day? Experience, service. And how is that delivered? It's delivered through the technicians going into the home and ultimately solving the root of the problem and not putting band-aids on problems. And that is sold via time. Yeah. So it makes the math easy Mm -hmm. when you consider each guy or gal only has so much time. Yeah. Like when you sell t-shirts, you've got to work out some more permutations. I could make a million t-shirts and the price per t-shirt drop. We only have so much time. So every day what we're selling is this Mm -hmm. inventory of time. Yeah. So if we add up all our costs of doing business and we divide it by what widgets we have, we can come up with a selling price strategy. All this is Frank Blau 101. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to make $100,000, just to make the math easy, you deserve more or whatever you want. Sure. $100,000 and you have 50 weeks in the year. Mm-hmm. Take two weeks off and it makes the math easy. Yep. 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. You have a total inventory of 2,000 hours. hours. Yeah. Okay. And you can do this for multiple team members. Mm-hmm. Let's start with 2,000 hours. From my experience in this industry, and text us, dear listener, if you think you've got a better number. This number (laughs) will float for people who've done the math. Sure. 50% of your time in a service company is rocking awesome. Yeah. So you have a 1,000 billable hours over which to distribute your costs. You with me so far? With you. Okay, so 100,000 in your salary divided by... A thousand billable hours mm-hmm. means you have to charge a hundred dollars an hour, yeah. and you haven't bought a pencil yet, mm-hmm. or a computer, or a truck, or insurance, or uniforms, or nice tools. Yeah. So this, do you see where the math 100%. starts to break through this denial? Yeah. So if depending on your personality, if you're ready to rock and roll, and me finally, yeah, I was so tired of being broke. So tired of fighting with my husband. Mm-hmm. So totally okay with going out of business. Yeah. I just didn't want to do this anymore yeah. for these prices. I can feel the feels of that. So I didn't get there instantly. And the story I tell, it sounds like I called Frank, I raised my prices, life was great. I struggled, 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 raised my prices, and life was great. It was just getting to that yeah. point. We went from, now this is going back to like 1990. Yeah. We went from $35 an hour because most of my competitors were 40. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. First price bump was to 112.50. Like that 50 cents was going (laughs) to put me over to the prosperous line. And then we went to 150 and 175 and 200 and 250, and we just made more money. Mm -hmm. Another thing will happen in home services, and I think I beat this drum every day with my team, just like, again, with the prices. I tell every one of my team members, 
virtually every day when I'm with them on the huddle or calling them or talking to a guy on the phone or just supporting them through our Google chat or whatever. No one wants to call us. No one ever wants to call a drain cleaner. Mm-hmm. You can give it away for free and they don't want to call you. Mm-hmm. We're not selling shoes here. Yeah. Your customers may whine. They can cry as long as they buy. <laughs> and your job is, I understand, Mrs. Fernwicky. Yeah. It is no fun to call me. Here's the good news. You called the right guy. We're going to take care of it. I've got mm-hmm. an army of people to support me. I've got all the tools and trucks I need. We're going to try plan A. If plan A doesn't work, I got plan B and C. Yeah. I am here for you and we're going to make it better. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. yeah, that's the best we can hope for. That Absolutely. is a very good outcome. Mm-hmm. And for that, our customers should pay a lot of money. Yeah. We deserve it. They yeah. deserve it. My crew deserves it. Yeah. So that kind of cheerleading is helpful. The tactical piece to take away is I don't know how you do this without showing them the math. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you start often with a financial audit. Yeah. What does that look like? <laughs> this is this is why I don't do it anymore because it sounds so ridiculous yeah. when you hear about it. And yeah. he's probably laughing right now if he's listening because <laughs> he can attest to this. I have charged dozens and dozens of people tens of thousands of dollars to do this. And this mm-hmm. is why I don't do it anymore because you can do it your own self. Yeah. So you get your balance sheet and your profit and loss and you assemble, I call it the bean team. And these are your bean counters. It's anyone who's going to enter data at your shop. That mm-hmm. might be your wife your daughter, your brother, some high school kid who you've hired, the CSR, we call them service coordinators at Zoom, whoever is entering data. Mm -hmm. And then your accountant, who, by the way, is usually terrible at bookkeeping. Yeah. Okay. Just making your accounting system right is bookkeeping, entering the data properly. So you get this crew together at a table and you print up the reports and you have your QuickBooks available on your computer so you can drill down. Mm -hmm. And I take a ruler because I'm totally dyslexic and have the attention span of an at. So I'm the leader of this meeting. (laughs) The squirrel girl is in charge of this meeting. And we go with a ruler. And on the balance sheet, the first line is cash. And I'll say, cash, is this right? How do we know it's right? What account is it referencing? How are the numbers flowing into this account? Have you reconciled this account? Do you use the QuickBooks module to reconcile it? And we start this conversation. How do we know that number is right? Mm -hmm. And if it's right, we put a smiley face. If it's wrong, we put a frowny face. And if we don't know, we put a question mark and that's an audit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And then we go to the next line. (laughs) And that's what you do. I was just at a seminar and there were a couple of guys speaking who just sold their companies. And I was super inspired because from stage, big crowd, their primary message, at least it sounded like this to me, was if you want to make a big wealth building play with your company, be audit ready. Mm -hmm. You can't start then to say, well, I know that number's weird or how did that get there? I have no idea. Because if you find yourself at the big table, yeah. And that's the conversation you're having. The price for your company drops. If that's another reason why you would bother to go get this cleaned up, mm-hmm. let that land. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just you audit it and you're going to find weird things. Yeah. We go through and there's a li- vehicles. So what's this list of vehicles? And then we find out there is a van on the books that no one's seen since 1982. <sighs> and it's still on there. Yeah. So you... Take it off the books with breadcrumbs. 
you do a journal entry that fixes that and makes it right, yeah. takes it off. And the journal entry has a note on it that says, I don't know what happened to the van. <laughs> it's not here anymore. I can't find it. It's probably in a customer's backyard. You type all that in because if you get audited, then you remember what you did. Yeah. We had to take that van off the books. It's not there. And yeah. they go, oh, okay, that's better than them going, well, you better produce this van. Yeah, absolutely. Easy peasy, right? Yeah. Okay. So you, the power of checklists, you talk a lot about that too, like checklists and a financial quick check. Talk about those a little bit more. All right, let's start with like a month end or a year end checklist. Sure. My pal Al Levy probably said it on his podcast. You can see I didn't figure any of this out. And this is why podcasts are good. I'm a student, so I'm going to pick up the best of what I'm exposed to. Al Levy has a philosophy that we incorporate every day at Zoom. If it isn't written, it isn't real. If you give a verbal instruction, it's only a suggestion. Yeah, It's not really a fireable offense if someone doesn't obey it because who knows what they heard. So a checklist is what we can train off of, hold people accountable to, and then the person holding that position can look at the checklist instead of call you all the time, yeah. right? So there's a lot of reasons to make procedures for everything. Yeah. And we have procedures for everything at Zoom, including the financial area of your business. Yeah. So a month-end checklist is a checklist by which you go through and verify, did I do the bank reconciliation check? And yeah. you put your signature on there. And the month-end checklist is literally verifying the numbers. This is where you're going to find and fix the weird stuff. I like looking at the financials weekly. And then once a month, by the 15th of the following month, we're going to use the checklist and clean them up. So probably if you're moving in the direction of what I call KFP, a known financial position, you'll start getting them tight on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. That's a good first step. And the checklist, did you, you know, have you gone through your AP and your accounts payable, your accounts receivable? Is it right? Do you know it's right? And you're going to verify, is payroll right? The wheels come off the bus if you don't do payroll right. Yeah. Practical tip, use a payroll service. Don't even try. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nightmare. (laughs) Maybe even lease your employees. There's a lot of rules. The wheels will come off the bus of your company if you do this wrong. It's easy to fix. It's just not as easy as using a payroll service. So you're going to go validate and sign off. You could get Mm -hmm. fired for rubber stamping that checklist or for not doing it. Yeah. And you as the owner are going to use that checklist to verify with whoever's helping you do your accounting that it was done. At first, it's just you. Yeah. It is. So what? Make enough money that you can hire somebody and then hand that off. Next thing I would layer on is upping my standards and looking at the financials every week. Can I put you to another test? Can I give you another quiz? Let's go. Bring it, baby. What's the problem with looking at financials once a month in the following month. You're already behind. Yeah. Game is over. Yeah. So, oh, what if you found out in your month-end checklist that you were $1 short of the best month you ever had? (laughs) You didn't (laughs) make any decisions to capitalize on that. 10 Yeah. So the idea of looking at your financials once a week is that in the game, playing with the score, looking at the scoreboard, who am I going to put in? You know, like suppose it's down to the last week, we're playing offense and defense. Offense is sales, defense is managing expenses. Easy. So sales, what can we do? What can we do that's scheduled for Friday, which is the first of the month, and move it to Wednesday? right? Just those Mm -hmm. adjustments to make sure we're profitable, making sales and managing expenses. If you have to run to McDonald's and get 
paper towels out of the men's room. Mm -hmm. Do that, but don't buy any paper towels until Friday Mm -hmm. when the month starts over. Do you see that kind of energy? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, Jim, my partner at Zoom Drain, he's a partner in the franchisor and he also is the owner of the Philadelphia location, which is the one that's experiencing this great growth curve right now. He said that, you know, he just had his best month ever, another best month ever. And so we're on the huddle talking about it. You know, what's happening there? What can you share with us? And he said, if you have any hesitation about sharing the score with your team, people who have no skin in the game, Mm -hmm. who are not going to get a bonus, you know, some a brand new kid who's answering the phone is not involved in any bonus program yet, is still like, where are we today? Mm -hmm. What can we do? They'll play if you let them play. <laughs> They're going to help solve all your problems yeah. if you bring them into the game. So yeah, yeah. you're going to learn this. You're going to share it with your team. You're going to fix it. You're going to make mistakes and you're going to get it increasingly right. And this is now the scorecard for, as Jack Stack puts it, the great game of business. I love it. Everybody wants to win. And so they're bought in automatically the minute you incorporate them. That's Awesome. And as a fence tester, if you lay out a good game, yeah. I will play. Mm-hmm. If you don't, the game becomes my game. And it's stuff like this. I wonder if he'll notice that I'm showing up late. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he says, first day, I show up for work. This happened almost every job I ever had. When do I come in tomorrow? He says, you have to be here by 8 o'clock. I would show up at 8.05 yeah. to see if that was true. <laughs> and in very few cases... Was it true? So yeah. day one, I already know that my boss is not playing a very great game and that he lied. Yeah, yeah. So like this is a way you can continue to demonstrate your integrity. You build trust by telling the truth mm-hmm. and the numbers are a really great way to do it. You've said money buys options and money buys freedom. What do you mean by that? Money buys options. Have you ever gone on a trip and you check last minute, do I have my wallet? Do I have my credit card? Because even if... You lost everything else. Mm -hmm. You could get through the day. In fact, I know my credit card number, even if I left my wallet at home, Mm -hmm. because I've got money, I've got virtual money, I'm going to be able to survive another day. I'll Mm -hmm. get myself home. I'll get a ride. I'll buy the clothes that I left in the suitcase. (laughs) (laughs) So if you can buy your way out of a problem, you don't have the problem anymore. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean that in an ethical way. I'm never talking about doing anything underhanded. This is all, you know, let's assume the integrity in this conversation. Yes. So if you have more money, you have more options. You can make more mistakes. You can try more things. Yeah. Money buys options. More options equals more freedom. Yeah. It is expensive to be poor. Yeah. You got to get a payday loan. You got to buy food yeah. at the Quickie Mart. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm, where I'm going? Totally it is so mean. brutal to mm-hmm. be poor. And I don't mean to discount anyone's experience. I want you to lay claim to your level of success. Absolutely. If all it takes is making 20% more on the bottom line to do the right thing for health insurance, to do the right thing for your team members, to give customers their money back when you screwed up. Yeah. Just... Give yourself that freedom. Absolutely. Well, we've covered a lot. Oh no, we're episode. not like rolling out of time here. We're we're gonna actually parse this into two episodes <laughs> if you're game for this, Ellen. Well, you can tell. I love talking about. It. You're so sweet to ask me these awesome questions. Yeah. I'm happy to be of service. So to close it all with a nice bow, everything we've talked about right now with financials, I'm sure a lot of business owners are thinking, "Man, I'm so far down in the hole. I don't know how to get out." What's one piece of advice that we can close this out with to give a business owner who's in that position on how to get started at fixing that? It's probably easier than you think. Yeah. 
Profits taken in cash fix just about everything. Mm -hmm. And if you're not sure what you have for profits in cash, then go through the process of getting to a known financial position. No bad thing happens in that journey, only good things. I love that. I love that. Well, Ellen, this has been awesome. Where can people find out more about you? If you want to learn more about ZoomDrain, ZoomDrain.com. Mm-hmm. You want to learn more about me and offerings I have and work with Howard Partridge delivering our business development opportunities at EllenRoar.com. EllenRoar.com is yeah. probably the easiest way to get there. E-L-L-E-N-R-O-H-R.com. There you go. Just said like a true salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ellen, thank you so much. We will be back in the booth next week for Yay! round two, where we'll talk a bit more about business planning. And I think that'll be really Ooh. valuable. And I know you got a lot to say on that topic. Yes, so. sir. <laughs> well, thank, thank you, you, Ellen. For everybody listening, definitely hit that subscribe button wherever you might be at so you can get more of this awesome content. And for everybody listening, stay tuned. We'll have Ellen back next week. Thanks. 